Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! We should be doing this outside. Today is one of those days when you just want to call it quits and go do whatever you want to do in the sunshine. Went to eat lunch, gave a little sample, a little frozen coconut lime drink. Something, yeah. It was real hard. It, to, but it was like a smaller than a Dixie cup sample. They're like, sample this new flavor we're making. We're like, okay. And then it's like, can we just get drinks and sit outside? But nope, not going to because we have to make a living. We're here with you. And we're here with you, and if you're we're gonna, dedicated to the podcast, we if you're going to listen to it and suffer along with us, then we're going to suffer along with you. Speaking of negativity, we've got the the opposite of the great eight, and we got the hateful eight. Yeah, so if you're following along, we're covering the eight good things of content and eight bad things of content, or should we say the things you must not do, or lessons learnt over the past, learned, 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 learned over the past few years of this. Uh, Grind we call marketing. You know, the best part about marketing, having a marketing career, Josh, is everyone tells you what to do. Everybody can. Everybody feels like they can do your job. Yeah. it's Marketing is a lot like coaching a sports team, because I do that too. Well, except for people. I you think Because no, everyone tells you how to coach and who should play and yeah. what you should be doing. And it's just like marketing. Everyone oh, tells oh, you. He got, I, he's starting him. Yeah, exactly. He's starting him. Why are they running that play? Why are they doing that with their marketing? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the fun part about marketing is your job is com- almost completely transparent for the most part because they yeah. see your product and everyone judges it. Yeah. Got some um, cool feedback today just to you know, start out positive. Let's go positive. Okay. So I've heard from a couple of people new to banking lately that sort of reached out to Mavis Agency to, you know, uh, for, for our expertise or whatever. Gave some good feedback. Candace Elders, I talked to her today, so she'll be able to date this when she, she's been a a religious follower. She said she got familiar with the skip button because of our banter. She would just skip right to the good parts. And I, how, but how do you do that if you don't know if you're hitting the good part? I think it's just until we stop laughing. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> stop. Anyway, feedback for a couple people, though, that are like, you know, starting in a bank career, like binging the, the Marketing Money podcast is really good to get them oriented in the career tell. banking, yeah, and, and, tell. and finance, yeah, do tell. So you just need to hear that. I don't need the only one hearing that. Are you ready to dive into the new spite? Few skips today. Few skips is we're going to hit on the hateful eight of content marketing. Give us, a little, John, give us a little bit of context on what last week, last two fort, last fortnight. In the last fortnight, sir, we talked about the great eight of content marketing. Great eight. The great eight. And I'm going to run through those quickly to give you a refresher. Real quick, though. Super fresh. Yeah. Number one is to be professional. Number two is to don't cheap on production. Number three is when you look at your content, what is the unseen benefit? Mm. Beware of things Which in, that... In banking, they're and all in, unseen. And context. Like, you don't... Beware. Yeah. Number four was value or value, as we say in the South. Value. Value, value, value. Yeah. You have to have a value proposition. There must be some reason why you're doing the content, uh, which is sometimes hard to uh, get people to buy into. Five is it must make sense. 
it's, it's hard for bankers. We talk about banking products, and a lot of times you get into industry gobbledygook, and the average we understand woman it, but they on don't. the street or man on the street or mm-hmm. person on the street looks at it and says, "I what is mortgage insurance points? Yeah, MSI. Yada, like, I don't know. I don't know. Number six is brevity wins. The shorter you can make it, the better it usually comes across, especially in today's world. You've already gone too long. Uh, seven, don't write to an audience, write to a person. Mm. So make it appeal to the person. And number eight is be present. Just because you put out a tweet doesn't mean you're present in your marketing. So you can... You have a presence, but... But you're not present. So. And it and it's not doesn't feel like you're getting a present. No, exactly. So it's got to be constant, consistent. So these are the do. And active. Those are the do's. From the dude. From the dude. Watch the don't from the... So we're going to hop into the don'ts now, and we'll discuss each one of these eight... Ochos that we're gonna gonna attack here. Bold move. It's a bold move, Cotton. So number one, if your content has no strong opening or closing, one of the hardest things about writing direct mail and email campaigns oh, yeah. is how do you start it? As your banker in blah 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 or I as, hope this finds you well. Whether you're this or this, we have this. Yeah. Like it's it's always a how do you get a strong opening? It's tough. And how do you make it stand out? And so poor content has a cliche-ish, which might work, though, if it's, you know, as your banker in such and such, or as your bank, your community bank, we feel that we have, you know, mm. whatever, and no strong closing. Like, it just leaves off. Like, no call to action. Just No ellipses. value. It just ends. So when you write content, and this is not just written copy. If it's video, whatever, it's got to hook the the consumer. Well, context is the thing that I find missing the most. In this description or in content? Yeah, uh, both. <laughs> but, like, people don't realize what they're writing. And, and all content, I would say almost all content starts as written word. Like, even a video script or whatever. Like, that you're interrupting somebody's day. And so a strong opening not only just has to get their attention, like they, like they teach us in, you know, marketing school or whatever. Like, get around their defenses. But they also just, you know the whole story you're about to tell. And the worst content I see is like not like warming people up into that with well, the lead. And on social media, especially on the, the TikTok reels of the world, they build up this thing and you're just like, just get to whatever I'm watching. Like it's, and it's like, wait till the end. Yeah. But, but, and you're just like, I'm tired of watching you, this You know that's up. bad. You, you know it's pretty bad content where it's like wait to the end. Rarely is the wait to the end. Like it's always like, oh, that was it? Well, thanks for... Thanks. Wasting my time. Thanks. And and but that brings you to the no strong closing. Yeah. It has to close and have some purpose of what you want the consumer. And when I'm saying consumer, I'm talking about the person consuming the content, not consumer in the sense of retail purchasing. What do you want the consumer of the content to do? Uh, because this is a marketing. This isn't just, hey, I watched it and it's over with. It's no, check out the bank or call somebody or do something. What's the close or call to action? Number two, and you've talked about this before many times, as have I, is not building the media for the channel. Yeah. And that could be something as not having a vertical video compared to horizontal, or it could be that uh, it's copy built for a letter but not really done spoken well, or it could be... Uh, that's a lot of things that people don't realize is there's, there is stuff, to be generic and vague, that you can say, like from a from a podium, like at a, at a speech that you cannot write, like that you, that will not go over the same way written down. I mean, think of a comedy show, like you could see all of, you know, Kevin Hart's jokes or whatever, 
written out and it would not be funny well, and, or nearly as funny. Well, and same thing with there's a lot of sitcoms. Sitcoms aren't as popular as they used to be, but back in the 90s when they were just the thing, if they took the laugh track out, oh, it, it wasn't it wasn't that funny, but the laugh track made you, th- I think, psychologically, I'm supposed to laugh now, so yeah. I laugh and I hear it and I think it's funny. If you watch a lot of those shows, there's some YouTube clips where they Big pull it Bang out. Big Bang Theory, they take it it's out. It's just not funny yeah. at all because I, I think... The laugh track edges you into laughing. Yeah, it does. It's it's, it's context given by your your audience. Uh, one of your favorite ones, forgetting that the message is the medium. Yeah. If you're strong enough for TV, you must be a strong brand. But if you're not, what are you doing on TV? Like the the buying short, you know, not having enough to put the ad on or not having enough to put production into it. You're forgetting the medium. Yeah, like of what it, you're using. Yeah, it's the fifty dollar local TV spot. The, the the TV station will charge you to do it. Well. If you're if you're not really strong enough to be on there, like you're you're trying to be something you're yeah. not. Number four on our list here, and I've always called this as being a copycat. What industry doesn't do that? I would say bank is one of the biggest. With as you as we've known, sixty uh, some percent, almost seventy percent of banks share a common word. Um, so from the get go, with your brand name, you've already copied somebody else because you aren't the original first bank you aren't the original community bank you aren't the original merchant and farmers bank you aren't the original whatever name i can name i'm not doing this to hurt feelings those are just the names of your banks and there's a hundred and some of you of each one of those words i just named at least at least or a directional bank you know southwest trust bank or i mean i probably made that name up just at a word and it's there and there's probably 20 of them yeah you know, don't be a copycat from the brand. Get a unique name if you can. Uh, unique but products. Banks, I'll just tell this group. I mean, this is a thing that banks have. That I have to say this plainly. Maybe anger some people, frustrate some people, but like banks are the worst. I mean, I got a. I've talked about this before. Where like, show me. Do you have any examples of where you've marketed a bank exactly like us? Banks are the most risk averse. Why do you want someone who? And I understand if you're trying to get a product. Like if you were interviewing a core to run your bank, yes. I mean, yeah. Ask what bank, what banks do you run the core systems for? It's all for? about the same. Because there. I need to know. But if you're saying, I'm hiring an ad agency, show me where you've done something for a similar bank. Well, why do you want? So we can see if we like it. If we like what you do for that us. Doesn't make any sense to me. I'll just tell you, um, if that's your attitude, I mean. I've got a, a a long list of other people to call. I mean, that's not what we do. Our our job is to do the other way, is to make you stand out. But banks are so risk averse. Again, in a core makes total sense. We've done our due diligence. We know. But like around content marketing, like I don't know if we can do that. Has another bank done that before? And I've told my famous, infamous story about the bank that asked me to bring something back innovative, and it was just like, show me where someone someone's else. done that before. And yeah, that's, ban- that's not innovative in marketing. Because the rest of the work we do drives it just tend to like, well, that worked for them. Or how many times have you heard a banker say, well, let's do what this bank's doing over here. They're, they do, I love their billboard. Yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, it's copycat marketing, and it doesn't They've work. already done it. There's no need. There is nothing with you coming so in to do it. So answer this question. I brought it up I before, will. and if you're a listener, you know, you'll know this uh, from the past why do banks always have a florist in their ads? Hmm. Always. There's always a florist. Sometimes it used to be a bakery, but now it's maybe it's always a florist. And anytime there's like a small business banking ad, it's a florist. Yeah. Always. It's either that couple 
or the blonde woman. It's I mean, always a florist. So when you put small business into most um, stock stock image, it, it's image that's the first four pages. I mean, like people, if if you were born in some weird world where you just watched a bunch of bank ads, you'd be like, man, all they do is bank <laughs> plants and floral arrangements. Well, the thing is, is like so restaurants and bakeries would be up there. You see a lot of restaurant, but obviously that some bank marketer put it in and the bank's like, we don't want to bank, you know, like that's too risk, you know, too risky. I guess showing a conveyor belt and like a big factory just doesn't look good on camera. So you're like, you're not going to show the grind up, of a real business now. Or a guy putting up fences or like. And H- not that florists aren't real business. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the video and the, the what it looks the like The HVAC installer. Here's the thing. A lot of the, the, the businesses that banks want to bank are like CPAs. And offices, and like attorneys. Like, yeah, they want a prof, you know professional services firm or whatever. Not that that's really, but I'm just saying those pictures either look like they're not from America or any sort of real world, like the glass office and all that. It's really hard to show like the CPA. But if it's a small business ad, typically you're going to see a closed sign flip open on a, the front of mm-hmm. like a glass half glass door. Used it a million. You're going to see uh, an attractive person of some sort like pulling down something and putting a flower on a shelf yeah and then you're gonna see uh some super kind of like almost hospital clean looking teller row with a person shaking a hand with that the rose in the background mm-hmm. then you're gonna see kind of like the office did the spoof on it like the drone flying away and everybody's waving from mm-hmm. the front of the, the th- and look we've done it we've done it years ago we did the crane with everybody in the bank looking at the I mean, it's before drones, before we even knew that was a thing. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm saying we get in the trap too. Even if I consider well, myself just the best, we get in the trap. Sometimes you just have to make content. And one of the things I'd say about all these rules is like, there are some definite don'ts. But what I would tell anybody is like, do as many of the do's as you can and avoid as many of the don'ts as you can. But like, you're not going to go 16 for 16 on both sides of this on anything. We don't. Yeah. It, but I, don't be a copycat if you can. Be original. Yeah. Try to be original. I mean, it's and it's there. Another not, reason for for uh, florists, they're pretty. Like the oh, flowers. That's, well, that's and what colorful, I was getting to. Yeah. It's like it it doesn't it doesn't look good to show. I don't know someone building you know, making mashed potatoes, which we've actually shot that before. But yeah, that one was tough. That was a tough one. You literally couldn't see them. It was weird, but it was all, all white. it was awesome to see the the way it was done in in the mass production. Um, of a uh, for the big mixer. It was a client we had that does, does like a quarter of the potato salad for like Sam's and Walmart. Yeah. And so we went there to shoot some content on how it's done and it was brutal. It was it was brutal because the the, the area where they cook the potatoes um just so you understand like they're these big like tower hoppers of potatoes. They're washing them and I think they steam them is how they cook the potatoes. The room is like oh. surface of hell Hot. Oh, it's so humid steamy. and steamy. It's like being in a sauna with a potato smell. Yeah. And, and then a little bit of bleach because they got to keep the ground completely clean to, yeah, to keep all the stu- yeah. stuff. But you're right. in there trying to film in like a basically a steam room. And it did this not. It smells like old potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's tough. But it was the glamorous. Really, but it was uh, not a florist. So take that trope. Well, and all the room was like that white. Pebbledy like 
antibacterial like siding and then all the stuff stainless steel then it's potatoes well and everybody's dressed like in a hazmat suit without the face it wasn't as bad though as the chicken processing place did we do that you wouldn't go in i I wouldn't because i wanted to still eat chicken i said if i saw how this works i'm not gonna eat any more chicken and i like chicken yeah they were just sawing chickens in half and quarters i did not go in i remember that i said you're we're paying you you go in and do it (laughs) i think i sat in the car and like Played Tetris. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Angry Birds. (laughs) Anyway. Number five is having poor structure or a disjointed message. Like this podcast. It's uh, disjointed for sure. (laughs) Double jointed maybe. Yeah. But um, no, it's it's losing people in the message because you don't have a through line of what you're trying to say. Well, what that comes from is like, I see this all the time is like going and shooting a thing with no, like no script, no plan. If you've ever like, I did this one time. Just go out there and video some stuff. Yeah. I did this one time. There was a local, localish TV station. I think it was like a public broadcasting station that was doing like this nerd culture like show, and they're like sending an audition. So I was like, I've got a film crew. I know about comics and pop culture. Put and, a camera on me. I'll just talk. I'll just put a camera on me. It did not. It <laughs> no. It didn't work at all. No. I gave up. I was like, screw this. I don't want to do it anymore. And so the key word, I think, when I say poor structure is the structure. Have a plan. Know what you're going to do. Have it, you know, pre-pro, all the stuff you do. Be ready for it. Because if you show up without scripts or timing or, you know, we're just going to go shoot uh, one of our PGA golfers just swinging a club. Just go do it. It doesn't really work out. You have to have some plan of what you're going to have them doing. Number six, this one is more local than I think not. But when the mistake is when it's funny to you. But not anyone else. Like you, and so I think this reminds me of a few years ago. There was a local Super Bowl ad, and it was these kind of, for lack of a better way of saying, kind of good old boys for a, I don't know if it was a oil change, car dealer, oil change place or car dealer or something. And one of the guys you could tell was probably like the clown at work that was funny, and he tried to like make some kind of hee haw sound or joke on the the ad and. The people in the room, you could tell, just died laughing, and they left the camera on them and like, oh, this is so funny. I watched it. I was like, this is just goofy. It, not even goofy. It was just— But conversely, if it's not funny to you on set, it's definitely not going to be funny to yeah. them out there. And and But this was, you could tell, was some type of inside joke they had that they thought was just hilarious. And you watched it and just went, nah, that's just—it's just like watching some—it was like watching people on the golf course tell jokes to each other. Like, it just mm. wasn't funny. Uh, and so if it's not, if you're trying to be, it's hard to be funny on camera. Very hard. It's really hard, uh, especially publicly funny because, you know, you're going to get roasted if you say something that's not PC or whatever today, you get canceled, whatever the, the mm-hmm. terms are. And so my point is, if it's not funny, it, you better make sure some other people see it and at least give you a little, huh, or huh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Funny. I mean, we're doing this right now. We're trying to film a funny spot and... It's it is funny. It is strange what sort of nuance makes something funny versus not funny, and then how after you filmed it thirty times and you're not laughing at anymore, like. But the time the person sees it the first couple times, like that's hilarious. But to you, you're like, "Eh." you you know the line, you can say it. So funny to you, but no one else. That's why I'm not the biggest fan of focus groups, but I do think you have to have some form of people to see it that can give you some feedback. That's Outside of you who are too close to the work. That makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, Unrelatable messaging, number seven. 
Uh, this is a big deal with a lot of, uh, I think, bank marketing is that we get into the bank speak, the corp speak, terminology that's really internal to banking. I see it a lot in, in emails that banks send out where they're asking Ooh. you to do a, pro, uh, a product yeah. or take a service from them or adopt something. And the language is so business bingo that you're – and, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you send me emails – and what I say about that is any vendor, because I get a lot of vendor emails, obviously asking for work. Reach out, touch base, uh, well, I, find synergy. That, but that comes with the strong ending and close. Like, yeah. I'm going to reach out or as the number one digital something, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. But when you get in there and it's just all like CX, B2B, cross tabs, cloud process. And, I'm just, and I go, what are you trying to say? I would say nine out of ten pitches that I see. What are you trying to say? Like... There's one in particular lately, and I will tell you this, the strongest open you can give me right now is free $100 Amazon gift card. You can buy my attention. And and I we've talked about this before. Like, oh, I got a funny one on that. Keep you can going. substitute value for value as far as I'm concerned, but for 30 minutes... I'll do... I'll, I'll, I'll listen to a pitch for a so, $100 Amazon So here's a funny card. one about that. I get the Amazon pitch or give to a charity or something all the time for some some type of what they presume I guess is value and it is hundred dollars. So so I got a, I got one that was a a three hundred dollar Amazon gift card mm. if you take this survey which will take you about pro- approximately fifteen minutes ten to fifteen minutes something like that. I was like cool I'll take that three hundred dollars yeah it's legit and it said it will be sent as soon as you take the survey so I click in put in my name, details. First question is like, which one of these products do you oversee? And it was like core services, wealth management. So they went through five products and none of them were marketing, PR, corporate comms, investor relations, nothing that would, I would even touch on. It said you didn't qualify. So I clicked none of the above. It said, the next slide said, thank you for taking this survey. Uh, You're now finished. So obviously there are and so, qualifiers. So no one sends me an Amazon card. And so I responded and I said, hey, where's my Amazon card? Oh, you didn't you didn't qualify for the survey to qualify for the card. And I'm Not like, my fault. You sent it to me and said, I, you didn't say I had to answer it a certain way or yeah. that I had to, you just said, take this survey. You doubt. You yeah. doubt violation. So that, but I laughed at it because I thought I took, you know, they obviously shotgunned this to a bazillion people not knowing what my role was. And then made an offer. Did you go back and try to take it again and lie? No, I was just, I'm curious if it, if it was even real. Like if they were yeah. even going to really send me something. Yeah. Because why would I, for that amount of money, why would I be teased to have answered a certain question? But I guess they were just going to weed those folks out yeah. with the opening of, if you don't do these three IT related things in your yeah, day job, then you're no good for us to take the survey. But then you offered it to me with the $300 prize. Mm. So I don't know. Unrelatable messaging. Unrelatable. Can't relate to it. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, the quickest way to get is some type of value or reward. Yeah. The worst ones I get, too, and, and I'm sure there's somebody listening to this that will know this, is the uh, we've formed a special group of executives to have a roundtable discussion for 90 minutes about pain points, issues you're having, the future of marketing, what's going on. No cost to you to join, but you can, you can get expertise and share yours with other people. But, but... You and I are in a different whatever um, psyche of a lot of people that, I mean, I'm sure there will be a, we'll be able to hear the collective eye roll as people are listening to this, but like in thought leadership, 
you know, we're pretty selective about the group. It's not that we don't network. We found those networks. I talk to my network every day. Yeah. I don't need them. Yeah. Now, if you want to pay me to consult. But there are people on the other side, like those that listen to podcasts, that won't. I'm just starving for some sort of knowledge. The thing I will tell you, whether you think those things are valuable or not, when they're organized by vendors, the whole reason the vendor is organizing it is to hear you casually talk about all your problems. And then they're going to come up with a solution. Yeah, they're going to email you the, hey, uh, you know, in the call the other day, um, customer experience. You spoke about uh, automation, email automation. And we happen to We happen to have a service that does email automation CX. And so it gets a little dirty, right? Like, well, you were listening in just to market me something? Like, ugh, I I thought I was here. So, So while the network of people, I would ask, I would encourage people to go out and make their own network. Like you can, the the bank marketing industry is very open. There is not a, a a bit, hardly a bit of pretense in this industry. Like if you see a bank whose marketing you really like, just call them. Call them. Reach you know out on LinkedIn. How many calls I've taken with other bankers that I know, and I knew it was a genuine. And look, it's cliche to say, "Let me pick your brain." Blah blah blah. No, but I've done it. I've called bankers. I know and be like, "Man, how did y'all do that project? How yeah. did you do that?" Yeah, I've done it, and people, I, I fifty people will do it from this podcast and be like, "I called and they've told me to." Probably not going to happen like that. I mean, like, um, I mean, people have been very open. Um, you know, people that I really respect, again, their campaigns, probably the same people, some of the same people John's talking to, they will talk to you. Now, if you're a competitor, like don't, uh, no, the bank across the street isn't going to collaborate with you, nor should you want to really. No, but like I've, I've called and said, you know, who do you guys use? I'll call a direct competitor and say, who do you guys use for your SEO and SEM? And, and what, and they'll be, they'll tell me like who, who, does your placement like mm-hmm. here's who does it? I'm like, well, here's who we here's who, yeah. who we use. You know, you're not colluding on something. You right. just want to know if it's a legit vendor or not yeah. at some points. But the whole, I don't know. You can build your networks through lots of organizations that we're all in, and I have a network. And so sometimes it takes me back to be like, do you think I'm 25 and I just don't know anyone? I mean, it's weird. So typically those like those jo- I don't see a lot of value in those. I guess for me, so maybe it's a personal thing. If you're 20 some and first marketing job, it may be cool to get on some of these uh, these roundtables. But the roundtables typically let's let's don't pretend they're typically someone looking to hear what's wrong and offer you a solution to fix it. They're not actually caring what you share with the the group uh, as far as that goes. So that was number seven is unrelatable messaging. Number eight is called bad timing, just bad timing with your content. And I think the the biggest one I've seen it, it was the Pepsi one from a few years ago. That's Kendall Jenner. Yeah, that was just well, it was it was a it was unrelatable messaging. I mean, beautiful young model out there drinking a Pepsi in the middle of a um, protest, like that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And yet Coke got away with it. With I like to teach the world to sing back in the '60s or '70s. Yeah, but that wasn't like the the Vietnam War wasn't going on in the background of it. Yeah, like that was the problem. It was hippies like dancing around. Yeah, it was more about the like, is it this cool and free and all that? But it wasn't like an active like protest going on. Yeah, and so Pepsi had to pull the ad, which was well shot, well produced. Like it hits a lot of the good things we talk mm-hmm. about. But the message missed, and the read the ti- room. The timing missed. Yeah, yeah, 
And, uh, and so, and some of it, sometimes the timing is not your fault, uh, as in what we saw with Applebee's this past week. Uh, with the Ukraine well, thing? You, CNN had live footage of U- Ukraine and, and Russia. Cut to um, commercial. And cut to commercial, and they split the screen, and you hear bombs going off on one side, and they immediately go to um, an Applebee's country ad. Or with fancy like. Fancy like, or, or uh, some other country, country pumped up song with like you know, showing the wings and all that stuff, and you're like, oh, so am I eating at Applebee's or watching a, you know, the World War III begin? Bad timing. So then Applebee's pulled their ads from CNN, called them and said, we're pulling all of our ads yeah. for a while. And then the funny thing is, because it was happening so quickly, the next break, they split screen. It was a don't worry, be happy, uh, or don't worry, everything's going to be all right by Bob Marley with like a Jamaican sandals type ad for vacation. So you've got people swimming in crystal blue water with don't worry about a thing. And on the left side of the screen, our bombs are literally hitting libraries but, in the middle that, of the but Ukraine. But that is part of... of CNN's screw up, in my opinion, this is not a political statement, but like where they wanted, I guess, to honor their advertisers by like, we're, we can't cut away from this footage, but we're going to double dip and, and run an ad at the same time. That's not just timing. That's really bad media partner. Yeah. Like, like that. there was no way that was going to work. There's not an appropriate ad you can put split screen next to. Uh, missiles hitting uh, a city. And you got all these, you know, and for sandals type companies, we're about to hit spring break, so they've got a big ad buy going on. Yep. Applebee's is always trying to hit some type of Valentine's Day, something that just passed, you know, March is here, eat at Applebee's. March on in. I don't know, whatever theirs is, but my point is, it was really bad timing. And I think the consumer today versus maybe years ago is smart enough to know that wasn't Applebee's doing that no. ad. Then. Yeah, put us on with the yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, Applebee, can you believe they did that? No, they know. And so I can't, I don't blame Applebee's for calling them up and saying, hey, let's, let's pull this down while we run well, well, these. Well, like I said, uh, I would pull it just from the sheer fact of like, you guys don't have sense enough to not put commercials on split screen with live bombing footage. It, it It's not good. No. So some some bad timing is not the fault of the advertiser or the but you have to be watching. You do have to be watching. Um, and and well, some jokes that work today are like I I can't think of an example. I think it's gotten us at some point where like oh like this won't go over post. Yeah, that it's if you watch The Office from just like seven years ago reruns, some of those are like they wouldn't make air today. Like no. the jokes are just too cutting into, uh, you know, what we fell into the real trap of what was going on in the workforce with mm-hmm. minorities and stuff like and, and uh, harassment. Like you just be like, I mean, it's funny. Everyone in the office dates everyone in the office, and I know that works for the show. Yeah, and it's a comedy. I'm not like, oh, they can't do that. Like, no, no, it's funny. I love the office. I don't. It's a hot take because like it's too it. real. Because I've I know too many <laughs> too people. Real, too I know t- as funny and like ridiculous as it's supposed to be. Like that's what I think makes it good. Worked, it's you, not. It's it's so real. Like you all there's know a someone at work is like yes. There's a that's it. That's so self serious. Jim, the, the, the what I don't like is there's no protagonist. Jim is an awful person. Jim's awesome as a Jim. As an employee, he's an awful employee. No, well, there's some stuff like where he's discouraged. What's her name to Pam to pursue her dreams? It was just kind of selfish. I mean, like when you when you break it down, like. Well, they're all relatable in some yeah. manner uh, to certain personalities. And I was like, you know, then there's team defend Toby until he takes his like move on Pam or whatever. 
the strangler. I mean, it's. Bob, Bobby says Toby's definitely the Scranton Strangler. I love when Schrute's the they have the flasher or whatever, and they put up the picture, and it just looks like him, and he doesn't even know it. Like some of that stuff's just so oh yeah funny. But well, anyway. I love the little the 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 best humor in in the office are the little like background things or whatever. Well, and some some of the long plays like something yeah. will happen, and then a season later they'll bring something in that's yeah. really funny. But the point of that is a lot of that humor I don't think today. Especially the, just like the harassment in the office place with like Meredith and that mm-hmm. whole her whole story is just like it wouldn't fly today. No, um, although it is still on TV, so I guess it is flying because they've got TNT reruns over and over again. Yeah, um, so maybe it is flying, and maybe everybody's just accepted it. It's a comedy, and John, you shouldn't take it seriously, and I don't take it seriously because I watch it. Yep. Um, so to review, we had eight already. Yeah, we just hit eight. So it was what was eight? Number eight was bad timing. Oh, bad timing so on my part. No strong opening. Do you know why most jokes fail? Because they don't. Bad timing. Because they're interrupted. Because they get interrupted. Uh, no strong opening or closing, number one. Number two, not building the media for the channel. Number three, forgetting the messages, the medium. Number four, being a copycat. Number five, poor structure, disjointed messaging. Number six, it's funny to you, but no one else. Number seven, unrelatable messaging. And number eight is bad timing. Well, it's a bad time right now. Why is that? Because we're about to end the podcast. We are about to end the podcast. But hopefully... A little abrupt for y'all. Those eight things, yes, you're, you're in it and then you're out of it. I'm, I'm all in. I'm just trying to guide it. You're trying to guide it. Guide it. Like, like a... I don't know. Like, like a guided... Mess- oh, can't, bad, can't say no. it. Bad timing. Bad timing. Disjointed messaging and bad timing. Yep. So uh, uh, anyway... Uh, for those listening, those are the hateful eight, and write them down, remember them, or self uh, promotion here. You can buy my book and just read through them all and get notes you, on each one. And it's like on demand. It's it, it actually is on demand because you can buy the digital analog. copy for a dollar and it's read a, the whole thing. It's a digital on demand. It's analog on it's demand. Analog on demand. You can read it. You can find out what not to do with your content and what to do with your. Does content. your book have a table of contents in it? Uh, not a full table, more like a uh, coffee, Play setting. like a coffee table of them. An end table of it contents. It does. It does. It's got a full, full on run. Huh. Full on run two pages. You, you can skip right to the page you want to read about in your book. You you literally can. You can you can just skip through like fifteen seconds. You can just skip. Yeah. Hit the skip button. You'll go to page ten. Look at maybe that. Maybe twenty five. I don't know. Depends how fast you read. <laughs> anyway. For the Marketing Money Podcast. See you later. We'll talk to you all later. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.